Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Anytime Jesus says truly, truly, as he did in this text, um, which is, uh, you might recognize from the King James Version, be verily, verily, I say unto you. What, what the word is amen, amen, amen. That's truly, truly, I say unto you. And it's, it's, it's said twice, and it's said at the beginning of whatever is about to follow because he wants to give emphasis to it. It's like Jesus is saying, listen up. I have something I want to say to you, and it's true, so listen up so you can hear it. That's the truly, truly, or amen, amen. It means listen up. He was speaking here uh, in the context. You've got to go back to ver- uh, chapter 9, but you'll see he was speaking to the Pharisees. That's why they didn't understand, because he was speaking to the Pharisees, and he was giving them in what is, uh, in Hebrew, it would be a, a mashal, which is a, a lesson spoken with a hidden meaning. Uh, but in Greek, the word is uh, paroimia, which is um, used to describe this same thing. Now, the, the ESV translates it as figure of speech. And that's what you heard in the lesson today. Um, the uh, commentary I have from the Concordia series for John is from William Weinrich, and he translates this word as dark saying, as opposed to like a saying that's clear. This one is hard to understand, so he calls it a dark saying. Now, Lenski, which is another commentary I, I use, which I reference all the time, he doesn't even translate it. He's like, no, the word is just paroimia. That's what we have to use, and that's how he describes it. But it's given as a figure of speech or a dark saying or a lesson with a hidden meaning. You could look at it in any of those ways. And Jesus' lesson here is definitely not understood by the Pharisees. The text tells us that. It says that they don't understand it. The Pharisees um, think that they're wise. They are self-righteous. And that applies also to their own uh, you know, self-adulation at their own wisdom that they have. But they actually are arrogant fools. And that's what Jesus is saying. Basically, he's saying, y'all are thieves and robbers. And I'll explain why as we get into the text. But when he says the person who tries to enter not by the door, who climbs over the wall, is a thief and a robber, he's actually talking to the Pharisees. So maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's a good thing they didn't understand what he was saying because then they, then they really would have been mad. The lesson here is not a parable. It's not right to call it a parable because a parable is a story about different events from which we can draw connections and interpret the meaning and apply them to, to, uh, you know, to some situation or to our life or whatever, um, to something being taught. But this, isn't, this is not a parable. Jesus says, frankly and shockingly, or as Dr. Lyne said, thrillingly, he says, I am the door of the sheep. Remember, I am is significant. Ego eimi, we talked about this a few weeks ago. That's significant. When Jesus says, I am, he is not subtly, but thrillingly, shockingly, 
equating himself to God the Father, the great I am. He is equating himself with God when he says, I am. But I am what? He says, I am the door of the sheep. Yes. Literally. True literally. Not like literally, literally, where people say literally, but they really mean figuratively. No. Actual, true, literally, he is the door of the sheep. Now, he's not a, a, a wood panel door that hangs on three hinges. But he is a literal door in the sense that he is the means by which we enter from here to there. He, Jesus, is that door. I want to help you understand what Jesus said to the Pharisees here. You'll recall that Jerusalem was the center of the world. I mean, really, the temple was in the midst of Jerusalem, and it was the center of the people of Israel. The temple is the place where uh, God's glory dwelt among the people. Think about that. When they built, first when they built the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And then when they built the temple, when Solomon built the first temple and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Now, uh, prior to the destruction of the the temple, uh, the first temple, Solomon's temple, the glory of the Lord left the temple. We see a picture of that in Ezekiel 10 because he, he prophesied this, that as a judgment against the people of Israel, the glory of the Lord would leave their midst. When you think about the destruction of the temple, the Babylonians did destroy the first temple. But really, Israel destroyed it because their sin and unbelief drove God to the point where he departed the temple. And God's departing the temple is really the the desolation of the temple because what's left brick and mortar so that was the destruction but nevertheless as you all know the jews did return with god's help they rebuilt the temple and that temple was standing at in the days when jesus uh dwelt among us when he uh carried out his earthly ministry the temple was there his glory didn't fill it in the same way of course, until he himself stood in the temple. But nevertheless, the temple was there. And to the Pharisees and to the Jews, the temple was the center of everything. It's all right here. And the temple had the different courts. And there was an outer court and there was an inner court. Do you know how you get from the outer court into the inner court? It's through a door or a gate. And the Pharisees guarded that gate very closely. Why? Because only certain people could enter through this gate. You had to be, certainly had to be ceremonially clean. You had to be spiritually pure to enter through this gate into the inner court. This is, this is what Jesus equates to the pasture, as he said in this discourse, when he, when he says pastor, he's giving a picture of the inner court. And, and there's a gate that the Pharisees thought was the gate that was called the gate called righteousness, which was the barrier between the outer court and the inner court. 
Only the people who are ritually ritually clean could enter through it. I mean, it's like they were basically saying, here is the inner court, and this is the place of salvation. And here, out here is this gate. You've got to be righteous if you're going to come through this gate. And we're going to stand guard and make sure that no unrighteous person should come through this gate and defile the presence of the Lord. This was the, this was the approach of the Pharisees. Can you see in this picture of the temple salvation coming through the law? The Pharisees looking at this and saying, to enter through this gate into the pasture of the sanctuary, to come into the realm of salvation, you must be pure. You must be righteous according to the law. That was the standard that they tried to impose. They were the gatekeepers and the law, which was God's law, plus uh, really it was kind of God's law misguided and plus uh, uh, some of their own additional man-made laws. That was the measuring stick. That's what they used to determine whether someone was righteous enough to come in through that gate. And if you can see that picture, then you could see more clearly what Jesus is saying here. The Pharisees were not entering God's sanctuary by way of the door. They were climbing over the wall. They're the thieves and the robbers. The one who comes through the door is the true shepherd. The sheep hear his voice and follow. But where is the true door? If it's not this actual gate of righteousness, so-called, where you enter into the inner court, if that's not the true door, where is this true door? And Jesus is saying, I'm the door. Pharisees were guarding the gate, saying, keep the unclean away. Don't permit them to cross. God cannot be sullied with their filth. Jesus says, no, I am the door of the sheep. Thieves and robbers point the sheep away from Jesus. He's not the door. That's what thieves and robbers do. Jesus stands in their midst, the Messiah, the Christ, and he says, I am the door. Pharisees were correct in their understanding that a person must be righteous in order to enter into the true sanctuary of God. But they were mistaken in their understanding of that righteousness and what it is that actually constitutes that righteousness. Straining to keep the law while despising your neighbors is not righteous. Righteousness is perfection. It's a total lack of sin. It's absolute obedience. And the problem then, as now, is that nobody possesses such righteousness on their own. Not even the Pharisees, with all of their fastidious law-keeping. I say law-keeping in quotes because it was misguided law, and it was, uh, it was the law that was uh, designed only to condemn while we sojourn in this fallen world, we, uh, we have sin which clings to us. It infects every single thought, word, and deed. We can't 
escape the effects of sin in this life. Death is the very witness of that. Pain, suffering are witnesses of this. But God in his grace and mercy has given a substitute, the spotless lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus Christ is the one. He is the Messiah. He's done this for you. He has lived a perfect and sinless life that you're not able to live. He suffered shame and scorn for your sake. That is God's love for you. It's shown forth in the suffering and sacrificial death of Christ. Remember that Christ didn't die for nothing. He died for your sins and for my sins, for the sins of the whole world. But you are sheep. So you hear the voice of Jesus. He beckons to you. Don't look to any other door. Don't don't seek, seek to climb over the wall and find your salvation by some other means. By keeping the law. Mustering up your own righteousness. By super duper spirituality. I'm the one who prays 18 times a day. I pray 24 times a day. Well, I pray every 10 minutes. Oh, well, I constantly pray. Yeah, there's, there are people that have this. Uh, I mean, I see y'all smiling. There are people that have this sort of mentality that they're, I've arrived, I'm the super duper saint. Well, good. I mean, I'm not against piety. Of course, I encourage everyone to pray and to live your life in a decent and orderly way. I'm not, certainly not opposed to that. But that's not the door to salvation. That's the key. And I'm also in favor of keeping the law. Please, by all means, do follow the Ten Commandments. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. I'm not opposed to that. Just don't look at that as the the door. That's not the door by which we enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the door. Don't follow the false religions of our age. And if you think that's just like Judaism or Muslim or, uh, you know, Wicca or whatever other thing, you know, some Eastern mysticism. No, there's all kinds of false religions out there. All kinds. Like Gnosticism, for example. And it pops up. There is idolatry. We, we are idol factories. Uh, we, we create I- idols. We... we s- Foolishly and unwisely bow down and worship them. That's not the door. To, that's not the door. Jesus is the door. So we don't follow those false religions. At the same time, don't despair because you lack righteousness. In Christ, you who are in Christ Jesus lack nothing. You have absolutely everything that you need for salvation. Because Jesus Christ is the door. It's pretty simple. He is, as I said, literally the door. And the true shepherd for all of you is Jesus Christ. And the under shepherds who are true and faithful are the ones who point you, not just to the name Jesus, but to the true Jesus, which is the door, which is the means by which you are saved for his suffering and death on the cross. 
Any, any, anyone who points you away from Jesus as the, the means of your salvation is pointing you away. They are a thief and a robber. But you hear the shepherd's voice. He is the door and he does open to you. More than that, he leads you to pasture. As he says, and I'll close with his words, that Jesus has come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.